It's about truth. It's about information. It's about awesomeness. What did he say? What did he say? All the major internets do that. Well, this is where we are. Uh, let me say it this way. This is the Brian Suits Show. Oh, a lot of history. A lot of history. A lot of history. We have to reference. I have to assume many of you know it, but I also have to assume many of you don't know it. Uh, AM 770 KTTH, uh, we, we have to deviate from the plan. Yesterday's Friday practice, I thought, went well, but uh, news is breaking out left and right, so we'll have to uh, deviate from the plan, make it up as we go along. But uh, this we know, we are going to get you to work with our right-way traffic. Uh, Godfather 2, AM 770 KTTH, um, Brian Suits here. Best Picture winner, Godfather 2. Yeah, uh, after its uh, predecessor, the original one, Best Picture, uh, James Caan did it at the age of 82. He, of course, played Sonny Corleone. And uh, and then, f- fun fact is, you know, it's a, I think it's a fact of Godfather trivia. Uh, Robert De Niro read for that scene. And if you get, like, if you ever see the, there, there were these things called DVDs. And uh, which and the V meant variety. It was a digital variety disc, and uh, in it, there like the Robert De Niro audition as Sonny uh, was included in that. Now in two, he plays young Vito Corleone, and it's great. Uh, Godfather Two, in many ways, is the superior movie. But um, fun fact: the do you remember the final final scene of Godfather Two? It's a flashback. To December seventh, nineteen forty one. Uh, is it where um, Michael Corleone signs up for the military? The, they're they're celebrating Dad's birthday. So you know Vito Corleone's birthday is December seventh. Uh, so it's his uh, nineteen forty one birthday, and and they filmed that in the original Godfather. Never included it, and in it, a, a young Al Pacino is sitting there. And uh, and uh, I I haven't screened it because I think Sonny swears a lot because he's mad at the Japanese for ruining Dad's birthday. That's how he puts it. It sounds like Donald Trump. Oh yeah, and they're talking about love of country or love of Trump family Jr. and, and yeah. which should come first. And and Michael Corleone says, "Yeah, I signed up for the Marines." And and Sonny James Conn gets mad at him and nearly hits him and says, "How could you do that on Dad's birthday? Signing up for you know like a bunch of chumps signing up to fight for your country." It all out. Anyway, anyway, that that uh, I, I have I have the scene. That just, <clears throat> I'm, I'm afraid. I think there is swearing in that one. I have a different scene from the first Godfather. Oh, we can dump play. it. Stephen Collins. When he brings Carl in. Oh, you know. Sure. And later, I mean, he marries he marries uh, the daughter. He marries the uh, you know James Conn's sister. Later, he kills. He has Carlo killed. Here's my stepbrother Tom. That's his. Uh... Bob, Bob Duvall. This cute little thing over here is my sister Connie. I was telling you about it. Huh? He's going to marry her in the opening scene of Godfather. Godfather. Anyway, that's that is. He has thing. one of the all-time great death scenes in the Godfather oh, trilogy yeah. as well. Not you know the spoilers. S- fifty years later, squibs all over the place. He's just getting peppered, and then uh, yeah, somebody. I I, I got to say, a lot, lot of great roles for James Con. Brian Song and all that. It was a TV movie, but but I I, I gotta say, Godfather. Uh, really uh, was great. Yeah, and he was so excellent good. in those films. And he was a guy who wanted to keep working right up until the day he died. I saw an interview with him on CBS just about a year or two ago, and he was talking about you know still wanting to get good roles to play and just had a hunger for working and said he loved it, and it was the joy of his life was to go to work. 
We'll get to uh, more on that. The unemployment numbers coming out just a little bit ago. We'll, we'll get to those. Uh, the breaking news internationally overnight. Former Japanese prime minister uh, who stepped down for health reasons uh, less than two years ago in September of uh, 2020, uh, Shinzo Abe uh, was killed with a firearm in Japan. So the thing you're not hearing today is all about uh, Japanese-style gun control, Um, but he he was killed campaigning for his party, uh, for the the, uh, LDP, uh, the conservative party in, in Japan, um, and, uh, uh, how important was this guy to U S Japanese relations? Well, I'll tell you this, this is, this is how important he was in shifting Japan away from the constitutionally mandated pacifism that MacArthur dictated being there in their constitution. He, he, um, he was so important to getting Japanese to realize that it was a different world that his assassination is being celebrated on Jap- uh, pardon me, on Chinese social media. The Chinese government's actually trying to um, uh, bear down on this because it's kind of embarrassing. But the, the China Central TV, the, the, the main uh, internal the, the main channel in China, uh, they put the story up, <clears throat> and uh, one Weibo post uh, on social media. Um, uh, had had said it would be fitting if Abe atoned for, uh, with his life for Japan's invasion of China before World War II. Someone else followed that up with "Let the celebrations begin." It got 150,000 likes within 30 minutes before China Central TV um, shut it down. So, uh, if if you're wondering what's that about, um, it's and th- this is where it, th- there was so much animus in China and North Korea towards Shinzo Abe's changing of the defensive posture of Japan that I, I got to say, I'm going to wait till close of business about what the motive of the guy, former Japanese uh, Navy sailor, they call it the Marine self maritime self-defense force, but with a homemade uh, double-barreled shotgun uh, killed Abe, just walked up to him uh, as he's making a speech with a microphone, like, like a karaoke separate speaker microphone, the guy walked up behind him and shot him in the back and and uh, and killed him. And this is uh, J- Japan's uh, illegal handguns are generally in the hands of the Yakuza. There there were 10 shootings last year, two of them fatal or one of them fatal. And it's often pointed to as one of those false comparisons with the United States. And, oh, look at their gun control and the whole thing. Well, oh, the guy made a gun. But. But I, I'm really, really, uh, I, I, before I don't suspect there was something behind this. Uh, An absolutely shocking story to wake up to this morning. Uh, longest serving prime minister in Japan's history. The only Japanese politician to address a joint session of Congress here in the United States. Maybe we can play a little bit of that later. I grabbed the clip. He's also being trashed, I think, rather unfairly by a lot of American media outlets. NPR tweeted out this morning, former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, a divisive arch-conservative and one of his nation's most powerful and influential figures has died. And then they deleted the tweet. uh, Did they they really? Yes. And then they retweeted not something better. Shinzo Abe, the former Japanese Prime Minister and ultra-nationalist, was killed at a campaign rally Friday. Um, You know, compared to post-war politics, Maybe kind of sorta, um, but what what he did was he made Japan sort of grow up and say, "Listen, you know, this is all nice and good when we knew for sure 
that uh, America would defend us and the whole thing. But n- now we're at a point where we got to be partners. Right. He absolutely understood the threat from China. And like you said, wanted to rebuild the military in spite of their uh, pacifist posture and also helped get Japan through an economic malaise once upon a time. Um, he was a very prominent person, very prominent. Yeah, and I mean, you know, he he drugged them into the real world right now. Uh, and uh, constitutionally, Japan has a pacifist uh, uh, foreign policy, and that's why their their army is called the Japan Ground Self Defense Force, and the Navy is not the Navy; it's the Maritime Self Defense Force, and the one self defense is a real big thing. So this wouldn't change that, but Abe was uh, both feet in behind a very, very capable uh, submarine fleet that the Chinese hate because the Japanese subs are so good. Um, it, uh, Abe said, look, um, we got to have aircraft carriers. And the Japanese parliament, the Diet said, well, we have kind of a history with those. <laughs> no, that, that wouldn't be self-defense. And Abe said, well, okay, let's call them helicopter carrying destroyers. And they went, ah, catchy. So the, you look at them and you say aircraft carrier. They, they're called DDHs. And the, the Japanese are now going to put F-35s on. So they're like, no, 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 no. It's a destroyer with a flat deck. And it lands helicopters. And, and many, many pacifist Japanese are like, no, that's an aircraft carrier. And then they went, no, no, no. Those are helicopters. Except now we're buying F-35s from America. And those are aircraft, but and but they'll just land. They won't be. It's real. It's really fun. what he did was he he had to absolutely thread the needle f- for the Japanese parliament to, to the point where where you know the Chinese were counting on Japan not being a player in the Pacific Ocean. And that and uh, Abe was the guy who said, "Folks, we can't do this anymore. The Americans are going to hand us a, a rent bill or something. We we have to." Uh, you know, defend or we're not just calling something self-defense doesn't make it self-defense. We we need to be credible here. And this terrified, it angers the Chinese. Absolutely makes them livid because they hate the Japanese. And who wouldn't if, if you if your country was savaged by the Japanese for 15 years, you'd, you'd hold a grudge. But then along comes the entire Korean Peninsula, north and south. They were like, oh, really? Did they occupy you since 1905 and ban your language? Because that's what they did to us and until 1945. So the Koreans not super happy either. But the South Koreans are on were on Abe's side. That yeah, you get with the third largest economy, they, they better start carrying their weight here in the Western Pacific. And uh, so sorry, sorry NPR that he's a divisive ultranationalist. He wasn't an ultranationalist, by the way. The, the guy was the first guy to say, yeah. We started World War II, and it was stupid. It was uh, it was murderous, and we weren't um, we weren't the good guys. That's why that's why no one gets the door for me when I the a few times that I visit Korea. Um, that uh, and more when we come back. Can can Russia really repo Alaska? A Russian politician threatening to do just that um, as uh, Alaska scrambles to find wherever the hell they put that pink slip. Uh, back in a second. Let's get you to work by the right way traffic. Am seven seventy KTTH Brian suits here. So uh, I did a did a hit on Kennedy Nation last night about the Russia Alaska thing, and a uh, a friend uh, said, "Could you look more like Sean Connery next time, please?" Sheesh. So I didn't. You'll take that comparison all day long. Yeah, but didn't didn't he die? <laughs> Sean Connery. Yeah. Well, I hope that person wasn't no. comparing you to the dead, but rather hit. 
No, he didn't, did he? No. Sean Connery? Yeah. Yeah. He no, did. Oh, did he? Oh, that's he it. Well, he, he will away. be missed. God rest his soul. Um, but no, my, my friend Gary Hoffman was, was also, he was on the panel in the studio and he was mocking my Sean Connery look. I see. And, and I, I, I said, shut up, Blofeld. Let Money Penny speak. But anyway, um, so I, I was on talking about this, um, and we'll get to this a little, little later on, but, but the United States bought Alaska, 1967. There, there's a misperception. In all of Russia, well, Russia continues there. We're the victim here. The entire world hates us, and we're actually uh, the defenders of Christianity and wasn't blah, blah, blah. They think that it was a lease. Um, anyway, the important thing is I saw Thor last night. Thor, love and thunder. Oh, you did. I didn't even know it was out. So I, when I got the text, I looked at the time, and I went, oh, 4.30, it's because it, uh, there's a little... I, I live in a bucolic South Sound town. There's one theater, it's a, but it's a multi-screen. They had a 545 show, bought my ticket, and I always buy end of row, usually the far right. Oh, I don't like looking at the screen from an angle like that. And, I want to be straight down the middle. Yeah, if I if I pull the trigger to see it again, and I might, it was that good, it, it'll be in an IMAX, it'll be it'll be second base, you know, or the pitcher's mound. It'll it'll be right mm-hmm. there. And uh, but it's it's really good. It, it's it's really really good. If you like Thor Ragnarok, which was hilarious, same guy directs this <clears throat> Taika Waititi. And wait, what's his real name? David Cohen. David I think. Cohen. There you go. <laughs> um, anyway, now he's Taika Waititi. Um, and uh, I am, of course, a native Hawaiian. Uh, is, I was born in Hawaii, so I'm a Hawaiian Pacific Islander. You have your birth certificate handy. I might want to verify that in the automobile. And so, <clears throat> very very funny. Go see it. Funny. And here's why most of the Marvel movies I don't like because they're overly serious. Mm-hmm, There's like mm-hmm. one funny character, like Iron Man is funny or whatever, but they're overly serious. Like they, the Avengers tackle the issue of government control of superpower. That's not why I pay money to go see the damn movie. But Thor is really funny. And so are Guardians of the Galaxy. They're They're written as, you know, adventure movies that are funny. So... So uh, th- this is very, very funny, but uh, sort of an unusual thing. And I guess because the the f- first movie I saw, and I'm calling it post-pandemic, was that movie I saw sitting on a couch called Top Gun Maverick. Maybe you've heard of it. And and I, I it's going to take a lot to get me in the kind of theater I went to last night, and I'll tell you why now. It's validated. But at the place I went to, where there's chair overstuffed chairs and seats and 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 all that for Top Gun, I'm like, oh, okay, this is all I can ease back into this, and and the crowd was into it. Last night, the the entire theater has fully reclinable electric Barca loungers right up against each other. That sounds nice. Oh, but with, right up against with each other. Ample That's... footroom, by the way. So there's none okay. of that. None of that. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Sorry. Excuse me. Excuse me. None of that bathroom concession stand traffic in front of you. Uh, because it's that that wide, right? Even with the Barca lounger all the way out, and it lifts your feet up and gives a little cushion for your head to be up. Um, the problem is, all through the movie, people are reclining and sitting up and reclining and sitting up, and they rub up against each other with that. Like, imagine wearing leather pants into a vinyl chair. Oh, no. And let, sitting there stewing for 10 minutes and then moving two inches. What What does everybody think? <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a fart. That's a little distracting. And it was every single chair rubbing up against each other and people reclining, coming back up, reclining, coming back. Now, first of all, I'm not home. 
I'm not, if I'm at home, even at home, I don't recline to watch TV. I, oh, I, I have to have the recliner in full recline mode when I'm at home and I watch TV. What about it's my ultimate reflux. relaxation don't time. Don't you burp? When you're back like that? <laughs> I gotta be sitting here. I have pills for that. Um, uh, no, but Brian, you, I love going back to the theater, but the one wild card is... Uh, who's going to be around you when mm-hmm. you go when the lights go dim? And I I cannot stand the uh, I I don't have anything to simulate the noise, but the candy wrappers being crunched up, or the popcorn next to you from a loud eater, or the recliner making weird noises. That's the one thing I can't that stand about going back to the theater. That was absolutely new to me. It's a new one. Huge distraction. Sounds like the entire theater is farting all all movie long. Because uh, it was actually louder than the movie. The movie need, needed to be louder. That's one great reason to see an IMAX. That's but, the other thing. You have to make sure the guy playing the film in the back in the dark room has this volume just right yeah. for the feature film. If it's too low, then you can't suspend disbelief. But you said the movie was great. I want to. It is. I want to see if I agree from this 15 second clip. Natalie Portman the only back. ones who gods care about <laughs> is themselves. So this is my vow. All gods will die. I was going to say that was very, very impressive what you did back there. It's just my first bad guy. You never forget your first. Um, <laughs> okay, they're marketing it. They're making it look like some really heavy movie. Christian Bale is 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 a is a, the main bad guy. He looks a little like Voldemort from he, the trailer. He does great. He do, because he's not this over the top, you know, oh my god, you know, whatever. His, his entire point is he's going around killing gods. And then what cracked me up, and I don't it has it's not in the credits, it wasn't in the the pre-roll or anything like that. Russell Crowe is unrecognizable in the movie. <laughs> There's three Oscar winners here, Brian. Yeah. Natalie Portman, Christian Bale, and Russell Crowe have all won Academy Awards. And Chris Hemsworth. Um, and Oh, yeah. Uh, no, Which no, role yeah. was that I for? don't know. <laughs> yeah, but but uh, Black Hat. Ever seen that? Pretty good. Um, but uh, Russell Crowe, in the middle of the movie, there's Russell Crowe. As, I'm not going to tell you who he is. Marcus Aurelius? Um, Maximus Decimus Meridian. <laughs> Commander of the Phoenix Legion. Uh, father of a murdered wife. Uh, <laughs> no, no, father, father of a murdered son. Husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my we all revenge know the line. in this world or the next. No, I, I, but he's unrecognizable, and it's not because of makeup. That's all I'm going to say. He's but, put on a few pounds over the years, if I'm not wow. mistaken. Wow. He he looked like a copper-colored Volkswagen Beetle. Um, and, and so, uh, but it's really, it's really funny. If you don't do the Marvel movies, ignore everything I'm saying. I'm just telling you that there's two of them, the Thor movies and the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, uh, that are made to be funny first and action movies next. And if you know anything about what's happened at the end, um, of of the, whatever, Avenger series, Thor is with the Guardians of the Galaxy, so there's a very, there's a really funny sort of set piece battle scene at the at the beginning. It's just, it's really funny. Uh, I mean, to the point where I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go back and see Top Gun Maverick in a IMAX, and I'm gonna go back probably today. I have to take the varmint up to the grandma's house and drop the varmint off, and I'm probably gonna catch it before a before noon show or something like that. Uh, all right, well, why does uh, Russia think they have a claim? Can they go to the people's court and uh, ask for Alaska back? A politician is uh, threatening that if America doesn't back down, 
will uh, they'll, they might just take Alaska back. Also, Putin is saying, if you want to meet us on the battlefield, be my guest or something like that. And I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. That's Russell. General Crow. Felix Legion, commander of the. Anyway, it's such a great speech. Um, uh, back in a second. Let's get you to work for the right way traffic. Here. I forgot to give out the text number. Uh, producer Greg and I here for a uh, a Friday and uh, 800-465-8770. We're doing early uh, check yo text. Uh, so uh, anyway, we're um, uh, watching a couple different international events. So, uh, one of them, the, the assassination of a uh, very influential former uh, Japanese Prime Minister, uh, he had he had one shot at it, then a second longer shot. He was longest serving uh, Prime Minister, and there there is a lot of history with Shinzo Abe, and I'm really kind of surprised that major American media networks and so called uh, foreign policy experts like Andrea Mitchell don't know any of this. But but the the animosity between China and Japan, uh, it, it, it it's it's linear. It goes back to you know prior to World War II, our World War II, and and all that, and 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 so as I'm watching this in real time, the the Chinese are really trying to tamp down what's going on in China right now. People are celebrating the assassination of uh, Shinzo Abe, and only because we can't get media out of North Korea that we know that that uh, they're they're doing that there, but but uh, or else we would know they're they're doing that there. It, it doesn't help, uh, by the way. That Shinzo Abe's grandfather was the occupation governor of Manchuria. When Japan occupied, when they took by force and occupied uh, Manchuria from China and renamed it, he, her, his grandpa was the governor, and he was known as the monster of Manchukuo, and, uh, which is what the Japanese renamed it. So there's that. And then, then the United States arrested his grandpa as a Class A war criminal, Sat on him for a couple of years, and then said, "Ah, we can't stay mad at you. Let him out." So his grandpa was prime minister of of Japan from like fifty seven to sixty, and I mean he he was a flat out war criminal. And the so you you have to know this, you know. But all I can say is, if your death is being celebrated by Chinese social media, then you're probably a friend of America. So there there's that. Um, a, a really irrelevant uh, Russian uh, official in in their Duma, in their parliament, uh, said, and this is this is all to curry favor with Putin, because Putin gave a uh, the, the Russians were quick to say, well, this was a behind closed doors uh, speech because uh, Putin gave a speech about, uh, well, if the West wants to. Uh, meet us on the battlefield they can because I've got something even worse coming for Ukraine. A fate worse than a fate worse than death. It's going to be pretty bad and uh, the whole thing. And this one politician said, maybe maybe America with its uh, tall, tall lesbian basketball players and its carriers of aircraft, maybe they should recall that we can at any time take Alaska back. And and this this plays very well in Russia because there's a myth that if they want, they can invoke a provision of the lease. And uh, th- and this this is like a, a top story in Russia. 
we remind Russia, remind America, we can take Alaska back anytime we want. And they don't mean militarily because they're, they're just half more than half of their Pacific fleet is fighting in Ukraine. They're 12 time zones away. They, they, they really couldn't. But, um, what they mean is in, in 1867, in the aftermath of losing the crime, that Crimean War, the, the 1859 uh, Crimean War, uh, 1850, anyway, the empire, the, the czar needed money. And hey, look at this. You know, we're really not using Alaska. And at the time, you know, just ima- imagine this. At the end of the Civil War, Alaska was a Russian possession. There were Russian forts um, in, in uh, Russian colonies in Astoria, in Hoquiam. And 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 all. I mean, for real, it, it extended all the way down to the Russian River in in Northern California. And they said, "Well, we're not using it." There was really only a couple hundred uh, Russians in Alaska, and they said, eh, "Make offer to America." And <clears throat> the American offer was seven point two million dollars, and that's like that was like eleven million seven hundred thousand rubles, and we accepted. And it was signed. It's a done deal in perpetuity. The United States was given title. It wasn't a lease. It was a sale. And and in fact, the money, most of the money stayed in the U.S. because the czar needed railroad equipment. He needed locomotives. He needed boxcars and stuff like that. And as it turns out, um, the, and this is a very obscure bit of historic uh, knowledge. I'm loving the free history lesson here. What is the gauge of North American Canadian uh, railroad systems, Greg? What is the gauge? Yeah, in feet. None of that stinky meters. In feet. I have no clue and couldn't begin to speculate. Five feet. Um, uh, Relevance? Uh, well, because it's the same gauge that the czar had. Oh. Um, so the czar, fun fact, the, czar, the, the Russian rail rail system is wide gauge. It's North American gauge. It's five feet, 1,524 millimeters. If you're a Canadian, but it's five feet. And so he needed American locomotives and all this. Um, so that 11 million bucks that we got uh, of drubles that we got for Alaska uh, turned into good old American jobs and American locomotives and, and all that. The other thing that the czar bought with that money, with the Alaska money, Gatling guns. The first combat use of widespread combat use of Gatling guns was the Czar against Cossacks, and and so anyway, and so American railroads, American machine guns, the whole thing. So anyway, here, so here's the origin of the lease myth at Yalta, in 1945, the last big three meeting that FDR was at before he croaked. It's reported that because the Russians were into us for, you know, we, we gave them, you can't find this in Russian history books. Uh, you only run across it in certain uh, biographies and accidentally in pictures. But we gave the Russians thousands of Sherman tanks. We gave them sheet steel to make their tanks. We gave them fighter planes. I mean, you name it. Thousands of, of P-39s and, and all this. No mention in their books whatsoever. And there was also no price tag. There was sort of a, eh, pay it back when you can. But for civilian stuff, like railroad equipment, they were supposed to pay us back. <clears throat> so Stalin reportedly made a joke to FDR in 1945. And it was overheard by, by certain Russians. And he said, if you forget about the Lend-Lease debt, because, hey, we're all fighting Hitler here, I won't take Alaska back in, 18, in 1967. 
And FDR went, <laughs> and puffed on his cigarette. And oh, that's a good one, Uncle Joe. And the, the whole thing. But it was a, it was a yuck. But it became a, a powerful myth in Russia that in, in 1867, we signed a 99-year lease. We didn't buy it. Uh, because and the, the the reasoning is, well, why would it be so cheap? I don't know. You're bad negotiators, you it's idiots. Two cents per acre. Oh, my God. $7.2 million. A bargain at five or six cents per acre, I say. And and, um, and so that's that's why to this day, in 2022, you can say something like that in front of a Russian audience. And they nod to each other like, yeah, we should. Yeah, free riders, we should take back Alaska, USOBs and all this. But it's it's not a thing. It is not a thing. So anyway, stupid Russians. Um, we'll be back in just a second. Let me play a little more on this. That's uh, Southern Culture on the skits. Um, uh, back in a second. We'll do a late Checko text, 800-465-8770. 800-465-8770. Also, uh, the White House has a secret plan, has a cunning plan to fight inflation. And it's not the one you learn on day one of Econ 101, I can tell you that. Also, the unemployment rate, uh, did it go up or down? Uh, and the latest uh, that we're learning about the assassination of uh, Shinzo Abe, former very influential conservative uh, prime minister of uh, Japan. Uh, Brian Seuss here with producer Greg on an actual Friday. Let's get you to work with the right way traffic. KTGH, Brian Suits here. Is this like uh, when 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 Abu Bakr al Baghdadi was killed by by uh, Fight Club in Syria? Was it the New York Times that said austere austere Islamic scholar? It, yes, and I then remember they it was some it. outlet like that. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I just retweeted the uh, a screen cap of. Uh, by the way, I'm seventy KTGH. Brian Suits here with producer Greg on in actual Friday. Uh, NPR t- deleted this tweet. But it's the internet forever. Um, picture of Shinzo Abe. And then uh, they said, quote, former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, a divisive arch conservative and one of his nation's most powerful and influential figures has died after being shot. Anyway, so like I say, that's a good rule of thumb. If if Chinese social media is celebrating someone's death, they were probably a friend of America. And he was a, definitely a friend of Here's how uh, CBS trashed him this morning. A polarizing figure, he was a right-wing nationalist and conservative and a fierce supporter of Japan's military. He fought to amend the country's pacifist constitution in the face of the rising threat from China. You think? While in office, Abe met former President Donald Trump several times. To... Oh, per- perhaps the worst Uh-oh. thing he ever did. <laughs> I mean, the, the guy's body isn't even cold yet. Yeah, he met Obama, too. A polarizing right-wing nationalist yeah. uh, whose opinions were controversial. And, and oh, by the way, uh, it was Bush, and it was Obama, then it was Trump, now it's Biden that is uh, pushing, helping pull Japan um, out of its uh, pacifist morass. And we're the ones saying, hey, go ahead, call them aircraft carriers. They, they carry aircraft, they have a flat deck. Um, in, flat, in fact, uh, um, Abe, this is a, uh, Abe started an exchange program where America, U.S. Navy F-35, I'm sorry, uh, Marine Corps vertical takeoff F-35s, the, the Bs, the Bravos, <clears throat> do exchanges where uh, American, U.S. Marine Corps fighter planes fly off the deck of Japanese destroyers. And it was very, very uh, 
there are a lot of controversy in the Japanese. So is there a parallel to be made between what Germany is doing in terms of militarizing uh, its country after 70-plus years removed from World War II and then what Shinzo Abe tried to do with Japan? Here? Not really, be- okay. because every all of Europe gets nervous when the Germans pick up a gun, because <laughs> there's that. But it's just that... The level of depravity that the Japanese occupied these other all their neighbors with, uh, right? The, the rape the, of Nanking. Yeah, and all that the, stuff. the the Germans only reached that in in Russia and parts of Poland and the and the concentration camps, um, and 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 all that. No, no one wants to see them back, you know, occupying France or or, or whatever. But but the Japanese, it's way way different. And and uh, and then uh, anyway. Uh, secret plan. Finally, the inflation. Let, real quickly, let's talk about um, the the looting. I, I in this day and age, we, we, right before we we came back, um, I, I was I was uh, telling producer Greg that there's sometimes because because of the lack of prosecution of of shoplifting under a thousand bucks, there's times I I take it personal when they ask to see my receipt at Costco. Uh huh. What it's about like, this dude over yeah, here who's but what, walking out with a big screen TV? Without naming names, what 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 uh, what's your your birthing person's uh, Ken- Kendra is my wife's name, and she went to Target yesterday. Which Brian. one? I got a name where they are too, so people can stop going there. Which one? Uh, it was on the east side. It was over the bridge, away from Seattle. But this is a casual, regular occurrence in our household. My wife loves Target. We've been going to the same one for decades on the east side. So she says, I'm going out. Do you need anything? I said, yeah, pick me up some of those uh, 100 grand bars, you know, not the cash, but the candy. And she says, yeah, yeah. No less than two people shoplifting in broad daylight in front of my wife yesterday Completely unapologetic. We're just jacking stuff off the shelves. What was the? What were the items? I don't remember what the items were. Maybe we can interview her in the eight a.m. hour. But it was. It affected her. She was completely floored by the brazen criminality here. And she talked to one of the clerks at Target and just said, "What is going on here?" And she had also noticed that a lot more of those security tags were on items of lesser value. Yeah. Usually, they're only on like the big ticket items. But they were on like $10 items and $15 items. She said, what's going on here? And the clerk said, we are being bled dry here by the criminal element. Please, I can't tell you which lawmakers to contact, but contact them immediately and get them to stiffen up uh, laws and penalties for shoplifting because this target is not going to be in existence much longer. No. I'm, it, it's just constant theft throughout the day, this clerk said. I like a couple of months ago I went down to Third and Pike to, just to sit there for twenty minutes to see the ecosystem. I'm shocked that that target I and I don't know if it's still open, but it, this is the issue in San Francisco. Um Walgreens, CVS and all that, they're shutting down. That affects old people in that neighborhood. Now they can't walk somewhere and just get the prescriptions. That'll happen here. Target is a major pharmacy for a lot of people, um, and and when they're stealing the big screens, at some point, certain retail outlets get more expensive to insure than they do to, to leave open, and they will shut them down uh, with an accountant's pen, you know, with the stroke of, of an accountant's green visor or whatever, because they, you know, they, they don't care about your neighborhood, but... And, you know, talk to your county prosecutors. Now, and, and the thing is, I don't know about the state, because... Uh, if I go to Target, the the one generally that I go to is in the state capital, and there are vans parked at the edge of the parking lot. 
And there's people walking out of that store with stuff to the van, and then they're walking back in the Target, empty hand. So they're clearly shoplifting crap, selling it for cash, and going back in the Target. It makes me sick to my stomach, and they're selling all these stolen goods on these pop-up flea market, you know, street corners. What's that in Irish? And then using the cash to go out and buy drugs. It makes me sick, to be honest with you. And round and round and round it goes. Yeah. And they got, it was funny, the uh, city of Olympia busted a guy with hundreds of fentanyl pills, uh, hundreds in counterfeit, uh, I mean, thousands in counterfeit hundreds and fifties. So that that's the other funny thing about this this ecosystem is it's fueling this this counterfeit uh, uh, underculture, um, and and so if if you're if you're so smart that your life choice is to walk out of Targets with forty eight inch uh, OLED uh, flat screen still in the box, you're probably getting paid counterfeit money. Though I I don't know if I mean that's why. You know, I understand if you hand somebody a hundred, they hold it up to the light or whatever. Mm-hmm. But now it's like a twenty, and and um, and I always I always have to joke. I'm pretty sure it's dry. I think I, I put them in the dryer at eight a.m. I think they should be dry now. But but uh, no, that it's it's all part of the drug uh, ecosystem. Did King County declare a public health emergency yesterday about fentanyl? And this entire by, by the way, that's why your drugstore is going to be shut down because drug addicts are shoplifting their stuff. It's all one thing. And, and um, oh, by the way, it leads back to China. Uh, and the secret plan, the secret plan to stop it, to fight inflation. The uh, White House spokesperson revealing it yesterday. And now I can reveal it to you when we come back. Right after this, AM 770 KTTH, uh, your Friday. Let's get you to work with the right way traffic.